But most of us walk around and we go, oh, I'm just not a creative person. I'm just not like that. My dad's not like that. My mom's not like that. We're, we're left brain thinkers, you know? And then that just becomes our identity. It's like, but why do you want that to be the truth? Yeah, as, a, as if we're immediately shutting off our creator from working through us. Yes, And exactly. we don't even know that it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most people don't. How are entrepreneurs like us daring bravely to build a stage, ditch the sweatpants, and step up to the mic? How do we create our own transformative events so we can get our message out into the world in a bigger way that's not only profitable, but it's actually something we can be proud of? That's the question. And the answers are inside this podcast. My name is Sarah Pfeiffer. Welcome to Green Room Central. Today, I brought into Green Room Central Studios Kayla Kraft, an angel investor, real estate investor, and founder of the Crafted Entrepreneur Show. Kayla has spent the last 12 years teaching people how to monetize their personal brand. Now, she focuses on helping online entrepreneurs become investors. As the inspirational icon for families seeking financial freedom, asset wealth generation, and multi-generational wealth, she is out to shatter society's addiction to the paycheck. She's the author of What Do You Really Want? Seven Questions to Unlock Abundance, Meaning, and Connection. Kayla, welcome to Green Room Central Studios. Say hello to Lynchman Nation. Hi, I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled because you've got a new book coming out and I can't wait to talk to you about it. But first, because this podcast is built on the belief that being in the room is everything, I want to start by having a little fun and asking you to share a story. So backstory, a little bit over six years ago now, I stepped into my first personal development event. It was a four-day seminar and it totally rocked my world. Within 11 months of getting into that room... I had left a corporate career of 16 years. I'd started my own business. I'd moved my family across the country. We sold our house, moved from the Midwest to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, just massive shifts, got out of all of the debt we'd been under for a decade and a half. So, And it was all the result of getting into that one room. Mm -hmm. And so to start us off today, I'd love to know, would you share a story of a room that you made it into that changed your life? Ooh, well, okay. The The number one room that changed my life was church. Mm. And I remember being about eight years old and going to a church service. My parents were divorced. My mom was dating somebody I didn't like. And I walked into church and they were like loving to me and mm. like, cared about me and my family. They didn't judge like all the chaos that was happening in our home. They just loved us. And I remember my mom couldn't afford to like do Thanksgiving for us that year or Christmas. And the church came in and, you know, like helped her with that. And oh. I was just like, wow, I want to be, I want to be a part of this forever. And I, I got my faith being in that room and having my faith has shaped me into who I am today and just going after my dreams in business and just taking risks, you know, because I just believe that God has his hand of protection over me. He has his hand of favor over me. And it was from being in that room and just seeing, you know, being in a place like that where you see miracles happen all the time, you're constantly hearing other people's testimonies. It really shaped me. Oh, 
Wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> I love that. I, uh, it's, it's funny. I, I wish I had a similar story about faith in my, because I'm a product of like 18 years of private Catholic schooling and I would, oh, wow. so much, I went to church, so much church. <laughs> yeah. But I, I have a hunch that I never made it into the right room. Like, mm. you know, the right church for me. Yeah. And that I did not give it enough of the chance that it needed in order to build that same belief that you have. Um, well, because I, religion, yeah. you know, I think religion ruins churches. And mm. yeah, and that's the problem is because really church was created to bring heaven to earth. And that's not what's happening in most churches. And mm. I, that's why I know God had his hand over me my entire life because I mm. was at the right church where there was a lot of broken people that just wanted to live their life for God. And that's what we did. Mm. Mm. You shared a quote recently about your book that really touched me that said your book is all about um, like finding out the path that God, I, I'm going to kind of mess it up, but the path that God had for you before the world came in and messed it up. And mm -hmm. it, it really stopped me in my tracks because I'm doing so much work on my identity right now with coaches and with my therapist. And it I think that's why it resonated. Oh, yeah. tell, tell me more about why you shared that. Well, all of us, I believe, are made in the image of God. And so we come down here as creators. Like we are all meant to be creators. Mm. And then we get put in a cookie cutter <laughs> environment, depending on how quickly we get put into childcare. And we're taught to just be tamed and to be like everybody else in the pack. And we start to lose who we are actually because we're, they're trying to conform us and mold us into being like everybody else. And so that's like, that's number one, what happens. And our subconscious mind is formed before we're seven years old. So I know those of you listening into this, you're in the personal development world. So you've probably heard that a million and one times, yes. but I, I can't stress the importance of knowing that and then taking action on that because mm. awareness will lead to transformation if you're brave enough to take action. Okay. So if we're aware of that, we really need to understand what were we exposed to before we were seven years old. And I talk about that in the book, doing a timeline of your life. And sometimes I'll ask people that question and they'll say, I have no idea. Like I could not tell you what was happening. Well, your mind will block out things to keep you safe. And so that's okay that we don't know. And it's, we don't even need to always know all the answers, but we can sometimes make guesses if we just look at our parents or we look at the people who raised us, the people who we grew up with, our cousins, like look and see what they're doing with their lives. If everybody's kind of struggling with the same thing, um, it's probably because you all had similar modeling around finances, health, wealth, career, um, your spirituality, right? So take inventory and you have to start looking at the things that you believe, looking at the things that you do and saying, do I really believe this? Is this in alignment with like, if you're going through identity work right now, it's like, okay, we know that our identity only changes to the level of our beliefs. 
So we have to create new beliefs for ourselves in order to step into a new identity. And, you know, I really believe that because God made us as creators, we have to have the belief that we have the authority to create and that we can use both sides of our brain. And, you know, we start to say things like, okay, I am a person who is creative and who is resourceful. So what should I do next in my life? And just saying something simple like that, all of a sudden we have a new perspective on who we are and what we're capable of. But most of us walk around and we go, oh, I'm just not a creative person. I'm just mm-hmm. not like that. My dad's not like that. My mom's not like that. We're, we're <clears throat> left brain thinkers, you know? And then that just becomes our identity. It's like, but why? Do you want that to be the truth? Yeah, it's a, as if we're immediately shutting off our creator from working through us. Yes, And exactly. we don't even know that it's happening. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Most people don't. I, oh, that's so powerful. I was listening to your episode on, so you've got the Crafted Entrepreneur podcast and I just listened to your Inmate to Entrepreneur episode and learned that you've got a really unique audience for your book. And I'm wondering if you would share a little bit of that story that made you want to write, what do you, what do you really want? Um, yeah, of course. I'm pretty much, pretty much an open book. So I was raised by a single mom and my dad was a drug addict when my parents first met, my dad was a drug addict. And this is an important part of the story because my mom met him at a bar and she is such a fixer. Like she likes to save people. And I know there's somebody listening in right now that they fall into that category too. You see a problem and you're like, whoo, I'm going to fix this person. <laughs> so that's how she looked at my dad. And that's why she married him was because she felt sorry for him and she wanted to fix him. It, Not a good reason to get married and have kids with somebody. No, my, my therapist just made me read the book, um, codependent, some, it's codependent a code of, no more. There you go. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that, life changing. Yeah, that's life changing. Wow. But yeah, oh, shut that uh, door, please. <laughs> I oh, that's okay. I, and it just made me thought about think about that because they the book is kind of all about how you, usually if you're in an environment like that where there's drugs or alcohol, it causes you to become codependent. And it's your your mother was. It, it appears acting on codependent tendencies before e- even meeting your father, uh, who would probably only exasperate those tendencies. Yes. And then I actually was, became codependent on my dad in my mm. later years um, because I was his enabler. And it's crazy how that happens. There's so, there's so much, but uh, you know, My dad, I was always happiest when my dad was in prison because he always thrived inside of that environment. He worked out. He was eating healthy. He was actually a firefighter in prison. I know there's a show about that now, (laughs) but that was what my dad did. And he would write me letters weekly. And I always just knew he was healthy and happy. He'd get out. And I'd go, oh my gosh, I hope he can, you know, stay clean this time. And it'd just be, it's a revolving door. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, you know, kids of addicts, they know that story. And um, it's really, it's really sad. 
But what I noticed was a lot of who I am is my dad, where we are creative, we get things done. So my dad actually, when he got out of prison one time, he ran a marathon afterwards. And he ran six marathons that year before he went back to jail. Because when he puts his mind to something, he could do it. And it's just, you know, it's crazy. He was following a keto diet before the keto diet was cool back then. (laughs) He used to say carbs were poison. But anyway, just that strong-willed mindset, I got that from my dad. And I was like, gosh, like, if my dad could just take all of this and turn it into being an entrepreneur for, like, the right things, wow, like, the sky would be the limit for him. And, you know, he still, you know, hasn't been able to figure that out yet. But I've always had a heart for people who are incarcerated because I believe the the system is, it's not designed for it to keep feeding the system, but that's just what happens because these people do not have the coping mechanisms to make it into the real world because they haven't done what I talk about in my book, which it's like, you've got to go back and nurture your inner child and create new beliefs that are in alignment with the sober self, right? With the person you really want to be. And, you know, there's a lot more to it, but that's like the biggest thing is, uh, you know, is, is, is transforming that belief system. Wow. Yeah. What, how beautiful though, that your success even though your your dad hasn't been able to figure it out for himself, but like your drive comes mm-hmm. from him, like and that drive has manifested massive amounts of success in your life, and also become this huge ripple effect in the entrepreneurial community, right? And so, like th- there is like a silver lining, right? Um, yeah, I always tell my dad thank you, and he. He has always shared with me that he's totally open to me talking about my story. I'd do it anyway without his blessing, but here we go. He did give me his blessing because he knows it does help people, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that's his heart, you know, is like he does love people. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I always thought that that was kind of special that he's like, yeah, you know, tell people. That is really special. Mm Mm-hmm that you have his blessing, even though you do it anyways, but that yeah. uh, it feels even more special that you do. When I heard that, it made me think of Dan Martell and it feels like this would be such a, in alignment, your mission to share this book with inmates and change people's lives while they're incarcerated. It, it seems so in alignment with his story. Does he do that? It is not his mission, but it, he, he is the product of one of his, uh, key stories is that he was incarcerated and a one of the uh, staff at the jail pulled him aside and had a chat like you're made for more like what are you doing here and he I, I believe to this day still goes in to places like that and has talks with especially youth I think is on his heart because uh, that's the age that he was um, when wow. he was in jail Sarah, do you think you could move your mic just a little bit closer? Because oh. I'm having a hard time oh, yeah. hearing for some reason. Okay. Is this oh, better? Way better. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So I was like, yeah. Well, <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted to share that because it uh, it seemed, you know. Yeah, like, I've never so... met him. I, I think I have one of his books though, because his name sounds familiar. Yeah. Buy Back Your Time is his most recent yes. book. Yeah. yeah I, I love that, that one. Okay. I'll have I'm... to connect. 
Yeah. I feel like there's, there's a connection there. What, uh, what did you learn about yourself during the process of writing this book? I know you're probably oh. so self-aware already, but I, I imagine just the process of getting this all out and into book form was kind of magical for the learnings that you could get. I learned that I was a perfectionist. I mm. never thought I was a perfectionist until I was writing this book. Really? Because I had such a hard time with the fact that like right now it's final. I cannot change anything about the book, um, at least for a while, right? And I that bothers me because even I'll read the book now and I'm like, oh, I want to add this. And you have to like part of publishing a book, like going with a publisher is it's a forever long process. I wrote this book two years ago, you oh, know? Wow. And so I'll look at it now and I'm like, oh, I want to add this. Oh, I would change that, you know? And so I had a really hard time coming to grips. I, I missed every deadline that the publisher set for me. And it's funny because my whole mesh mission has always been just do it messy, just get it done. Done is better than perfect. Sure. But knowing, you know, I could always go back and change it. Like a social media post, I can go back and edit it at mm. any time. If I have a new thought, a book, you can't do that because once people have it in their hands, it's, it's done, you know, like yeah. you're in their house and this is the thought, you know? Yes. So I really struggled with that and I had to surrender it to God and just know like, Hey, um, you're allowed to evolve. And so it's okay if things change from this, what it's going to do is it's going to unlock people's mindset and it'll help you grow your brand and people will follow you on YouTube, on your podcast, and they'll be able to hear different things that you have to say in years to come. So that's how I kind of moved through that. But it was, I had to nurture a little Kayla because I, I realized she was coming up and was like, Ooh, you know, what if people don't like this? Mm. What if, you know, um, people in the church are not going to like some of the things I have to say. Cause I, I talk about how I am not a religious person. And even though like, if you follow me and you know, I mean, I am like, I am a like Bible thumper. I am a holy roller. Okay. You could say, but I do not consider myself a religious person at all because I just don't think that the church helps really like most churches don't help people set, be set free, which is what God wanted for all mm. of us is to be living in freedom. And most people are living in their shackles. So I hope that this book will help people become free. And yeah, <laughs> that's the thing I struggled with. Wow. Perfectionism is what come, came up. That's, it seems like an interesting stage in your entrepreneurial journey for you to learn that. Right? I mean, 12 years later. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, my, I thankfully had a really good agent. And she's been in the game for like 15 years. And so she was able, like, I feel like she kind of became my therapist during this whole situation because mm. I would just call her like freaking out. I'm like, what, at one point I was like, what do I do to get out of this deal? And she was like, what? Like, what? I'm like, I'll just pay them the advance back. I don't want to do this anymore. It's too hard. And she's like, no, you're doing it. Push through. So, yeah. <laughs> what a gift that you got paired with her. <laughs> She chose me, which is so crazy. Oh, really? She okay. was listening to my podcast. Okay. And she reached out to me and said, hey, I've been listening to your podcast. I actually quit my job and started my own company because of your podcast. You need to write a book. Wow. And that's how it happened. Wow. Did you know that you were going to pair this program of going, you know, asking people to 
help you go into prisons and teach this, you know, give, give copies of this, donate copies of this book and teach um, inmates the concepts from this book. Did you know that that was a part of it when you started the process of writing the book or is that something no, that came to you? No, not at all. That came as part of a PR thing. I was like, well, how do we give back? Because part of it is people will say, you need to get people to buy a hundred books. And I'm like, I've bought so many people. A lot of my friends are authors and I'll, I, I, I have their books sitting in my garage, you know, like I can only give out so many. And I was like, I do not want people to like have my box of books just sitting in the garage mm-hmm. to help me hit some bestseller list. I was like, I'm not going to do it. Like God's going to do it. If I want to be, if I'm in, supposed to be on the bestseller list, I will be on the bestseller list. But the only way I will ask people to buy that many books is if they actually want to give it to their audience or they want to donate it. And, and my PR lady goes, well, who would you want to donate it to? I said, well, the perfect person for this is somebody that can't get access to life coaching or listen to my podcast right now. And yeah. I said, I would have loved for my dad to have this, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. And so that's how it came to be. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And there's been um, quite a few people that have donated hundreds of books already. So we're still open and available to that for everybody listening in. You That's donate really one exciting. Or you donate hundreds. I love yeah. that because yeah, like you said, not everyone has like that immediate list of like right fit. I have a hundred people for your book, but they want to help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've been really, um, I've been really surprised at people who said they were going to buy a hundred books and still haven't. And I'm like, okay, it's fine. And I've been really blown away by the people that have actually followed up mm. and actually done it and mm-hmm. said what they were, you know, did right. what they said they were going to do. It's been really mind opening for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, people that I'm not even that close with that just was like, here, here's $3,000 worth of books, donate them to the prisons. I was like, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, it goes back to just people wanting to support a mission that they feel, you know, like touches their heart and speaks the story they came from. And, um, yours yeah is really clear and um purposeful and i i that's that's one of the things i wanted to talk about today because i wanted to make sure that more people heard that because i know that there's probably so many beautiful souls that are that were in your position too uh and have a very similar story from their childhoods so let me shift gears for a moment here. I know you also teach online entrepreneurs about investing and money. And I know we're both entrepreneurs. We're both moms. And when I think about the lessons that I want to teach my daughter, it's three things. One, how to earn money outside of the traditional like wealth creation system of the nine to five job. Uh, and then how to grow that wealth and then self-awareness and self-compassion. And I'm curious, what lessons are you working most on imparting to your kids? Mm. Well, I always teach my kids that money is spiritual and you are not an owner of the money. You're a steward of money. Mm. And so to whom much is given, much is required. So if you want a lot, you have to have the capacity for a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I'm constantly teaching my kids critical thinking. You have to understand um, the consequences that things are not always black and white. 
when it comes to money. There are, it's, there's a lot of gray area and you have to understand the ramifications, you know? So, Hey, okay. If mommy buys one of my kids loves toys, the other, the older two, they could care less about toys, but my youngest, I mean, he could buy a toy every day and he's, you know, like obsessed with it for 24 hours and then he's over it anyway. And I'm constantly teaching him. Okay. If I spend $28 on this bow and arrow for you right now, we're taking $28 away from buying, um, like we just invested into, um, a health and wellness company. So I use that as an example. And we have the little, we have gummies for this company in our, they're like little samples. And I'm like, but if we spend the $28, you know, here, we're taking $28 away from potentially having to put that back to grow this business. So what do you think is better? And sometimes he'll go, like if he really wants the bow and arrow, he'll go, but this is going to make me really happy right now. And I'll um, help you make more money because I'm going to be really busy with my bow and arrow. Like it's, you know, he'll have a whole thing. I'm like, ah, okay, fine. I'll get the bow and arrow for you. (laughs) You know, sometimes he'll go, oh yeah. Okay. Um, he goes, and how much will I make of that? So if you put $28 into sour stop, how much will I make of that? And I go, oh, oh, you won't make anything um, from that because that's not yours yet. But, you know, like I'll, I'll teach him these things. Like he has to understand, well, my money isn't your money and my money is God's money. So mm. anyway, we just have interesting conversations. Like if you talk to my kids and I've done this since they were little, I talk to them like they're adults about money. Okay. So I don't try to dumb anything down for my kids. Okay. I'm very much like this. And th- like I've always talked to them like they're an entrepreneur since they could understand yeah. words. And so they all kind of think like that now. And it's fun and interesting. My, um, my daughter is starting her own little company and it's with me and a couple of my friends. But I'm like, okay, you're going to get 5% equity, but here's what's expected of you to receive the 5% equity. And she was like, okay, you know, like she, she's understanding, okay, I'm going to have to bring something to the table. I'm not just getting part of this because mom's doing it, Mm. but we're using her expertise because she, yeah. Anyway. So, uh, kids, it makes it so fun. It makes it so fun when you bring them into every process Mm -hmm. of what you're doing and why you're doing it. And it's even more important for them to understand what you do when mistakes happen Mm. in business. We have, oh my gosh, Chase and I have had so many. I know you've had Chase on the show. And uh, I mean, we should at one point write a whole book on all the mistakes we've made uh, in our 15 year (laughs) marriage and, you know, all of our business endeavors we've done because we've made so many mistakes and we don't shy away from sharing those with the kids because I think it's really important that you share with them that you're not always going to get it right 100% yeah. of the time. Yeah. But God will prosper your mistakes and so he had, and there's grace over your mistakes and everything will end up turning out better than you can even imagine, but that's the belief system you have to have is that you're going to always try to do your best. Sometimes your best isn't enough. Yeah. And that's okay because God's still going to give you the desires of your heart. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Um, you know, I've found that kind of when I embrace gratitude more, it opens up more of my self-awareness and kind of helps me enjoy the ride. And 
even my ability to spot opportunities. And so on a similar note, I'm curious, what few things are you particularly grateful for as you go into releasing this book out into the world? Yeah, I'm grateful for all of my clients that I've worked with over the past 12 years, because that's who helped me create the Take 7 method that mm-hmm. I introduce in the book. And so it's just like, I I mean, I've helped so many people and they all bring something different to how this came to be. And it's funny mm-hmm. that you said gratitude because that's one of the steps in the Take 7. Okay. Gratitude, yeah, gratitude is so important um, to always finding the meaning in everything that we're experiencing. And I love people and uh, people made this method, you know? So I'm so grateful for them. I'm also grateful for my kids to bring those them up again. I'm grateful for my kids because I, as I was writing this book and I was realizing, well, what is it that I really want right now, you know? Mm. And I realized even more like, gosh, I just want to, I really am at this stage where I just want to be a mom first and foremost. Mm. I don't have anything to prove in the business world. I have no, I have zero desire to prove anything where if you would have asked me that like three, four years ago, I had a lot, like Mm. everything was coming from my desire to prove myself. And now I could just care less, which is awesome. (laughs) It's a really good place to be. But I think it's from just me getting closer and closer with my kids and realizing, oh my gosh, you know, my oldest, he's going to be an adult in four years. And so it's like, oh my gosh, I just want to spend every time, I, every moment I can with yeah. him and help mold him into who God wants him to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, um, it reminds me, I was, my husband and I were talking about who's going to pick um, our daughter up from a, a thing one night and she was out with some friends and at the last minute, I'm like, well, let's just both go because then we'll, you know, both be able to talk with her on the way home. Because it reminded me that I've heard that uh, someone say, like, always be the person who picks up. Like, because I, I was mm-hmm. like finishing up something with a podcast episode that night and I was right in the middle of something. And so there was a big piece of me that was like, I just want to stay home and like finish it because it, it's, it's not that much longer and it'll be done and I'm in flow. And, but uh, they're like, always be the person who picks up. And it was like so true in that moment, like that night, like there's all this excitement over the time with friends that had just been had and just like all of this spilling of all of the good things. Right. And then as soon as everyone got home, like, you know, my daughter wanted to go do her thing and chillax, she likes to call it. And, uh, you know, kind of that time was over and it Mm -hmm. was so magical in the car ride. And I was so grateful that I'd taken that time to just remember like I'm a mom first and that I don't ever get this time back and like you have to take the moments when and where they are and uh and I'm grateful for each and every one of them and also thankful to be an entrepreneur but mom first you know Mm, that's so good yeah I love that you know, so we have this, uh, in my family, we have this family dinner table tradition where we share three things we're dinner, we're grateful for and something we learned that day and then something we're proud of. And so in that spirit, what are you most proud of in this, like currently finished, but editable in the future for the second edition <laughs> version yeah. of the book that you're putting out? What are you most proud of? 
I am, I'm proud of the fact that it's a book, but it's a tool. Mm. And anybody, I truly believe anybody can take this tool and use it to start getting what they actually want in their life. Not what they want from a place of ego or wounding, but from a place of truly being aligned with what God has for them, getting what they want and starting to experience miracles in their life because of it. And so that's what I'm excited about is just knowing if it lands in anybody's hands, God is going to do miracles for them. Um, and they're going to like collaborate with God on getting stuff, you know, finally mm. that mm. is for them, that is meant for them. And so that I think is what I'm most proud of is that like, the book will live on way past me and it's going to help people forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. How do you mm-hmm. celebrate wins like that? I know. Do you have any special rituals? I know for me, I, I, in my journal each day, I, I make myself cause it, I, I do think it's hard to celebrate for me, but I do make myself write some things down and then I, <laughs> I have a sheet of gold star stickers and I stick them next to the things that I wrote. Uh, so I get more stickers if I can think of more things. I'm wondering, do you have any sort of ritual that helps you celebrate? Yeah, I struggle with the same thing when it comes to celebration. But within the last year, I listened to this doctor that said, you know, if you stop celebrating, the pleasure part of your brain starts to shrink but it can grow back. And so you have to learn to celebrate like small things Mm. just as much as you celebrate the big things. Mm. And so uh, I grew up in a family where we would eat to celebrate and it caused me to have like weight issues Mm. and a lot of like body dysmorphia and stuff like that. And so I think that's where I always struggled celebrating as an adult because I'm like, well, I don't want to celebrate with ice cream. So what's healthy for me to celebrate? But just taking a moment to just sit in gratitude and just be like, wow, this feels so good to have accomplished something mm-hmm. I said I was going to do. Okay. And I'm so proud of myself. And like just sitting in that is actually a celebration. So it doesn't always have to be, we're going to have a party. But it's it's taking time to experience the feeling of, of happiness and joy in accomplishing something. And so that's really helped me celebrate myself more along the way. And I'll give myself little small rewards. I've had to gamify my life ever since I made my first million by the time I was 26. Uh, When you don't have to make money out of desperation anymore, you have to find another thing to push you Mm. (laughs) to keep challenging yourself, right? Because I think it kind of is most people's norm to just become lazy when when you don't have to worry about things anymore. At least that's what happened for me and several of my friends. And so I had to gamify things. So I will give myself rewards when it comes to hitting business goals, when it comes to weight goals, or, you know, I just recently lost 21 pounds. So I had to do little little things. Thank you. Little things along the way to like, okay, I'm going to buy that new dress. Uh, You know, I'm going to do those things that I've been kind of holding off on doing. And, but I have to do this first. Because if I just give myself everything right now, then I don't push myself as hard to hit my goals. And so that's why I'll kind of do that delayed gratification thing Mm. to reward myself when I, and that's kind of how I celebrate too. Mm. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So you said gratitude was one of the seven steps. 
and you i'm i'm curious about you know, you don't have to share all of them but I, you've mentioned inner child work a few times i'm wondering is that one of the steps yes that is step two. Will you share a little I, bit more about that? Yeah. I think more selfishly, I want to know <laughs> what's in there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it's so good because, so it came about because I hired my first coach. You, oh gosh, this was like eight or eight years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. I hired my first coach and I had everything that most people would die for. A dream million dollar home money in the bank, a marriage that was crumbling, but still I was married, three kids. And, um, you know, I had influence and success online at that point too. But I was like, why am I not happy? And I hired him and I was like, Matthew, why am I not happy? And he goes, Kayla, you've been going through life like a bulldozer and you're meant to be a Ferrari. And so I was like, all right, I like the way that sounds. And yes, I could agree that I've, I've been a bulldozer, meaning if you were not for me, you were against me. Mm. If you didn't buy what I was selling, you were enemy number one. Okay. Like I did not like you <laughs> and I was going to make sure the world knew I didn't like you. Just very, I, I mean, I'm a different person now. Thank God for coaching. So anyway, I was like, yeah, how do I become a Ferrari? Right. And he was like, well, well when did you first start being a bulldozer? And I was like, whoa, that's a really great question. And I started to think about it. And I was like, wow, I, I think I started to become a bulldozer when I was like seven, eight years old. Mm-hmm. I would, I controlled everybody around me, including my mom. I would tell my mom what to do. I remember my mom got engaged to a guy I didn't like when I was 10 years old. And I was like, why would you say yes? This guy is a loser. Like that was who I was at 10 years old, you know? And my mom's like, oh, anyways, they're divorced now because he cheated on her. He was a loser, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> always have to throw that in there that I was right. You were right. But <laughs> so anyway, I was like, yeah, I did that because I was very powerless as a child, but I would do things to try to gain power, mm-hmm. you know, get my mom to do things, get my brother to do things that made me feel safe. And then of course I did that with friendships and in business and the story goes. So uh, I realized that's part of the reason why I wasn't happy mm. was because I forced everything in my life to happen. Mm. And obviously it worked, but I didn't want to keep living my life like that. And so I had to work with little Kayla and and find out like, hey, what would – what would you need? Like, what did I need as a seven-year-old that had her dad in jail and her mom was, you know, single, ready to mingle, losing our home at the time because she wasn't paying the bills because she was partying so much? Mm. You know, what did little Kayla need? She really needed a parent that was stable Mm. and that could teach her coping mechanisms. Because the thing is, is like my mom also would lie to me and like she would, nobody... there was just a lot of lies and I was a very intuitive child. So I always knew when people were lying to me Mm. and I didn't like that feeling either. I didn't like being manipulated and things like that. And so it made me trust no one. I I trusted nobody. And so anyways, we had to reparent little Kayla and tell her like, Hey, uh, you just need to be a kid and we love you. 
and we're actually going to listen to your intuition. But like, what did you want to do as a child? Mm. If you had both parents who were stable and loving, what would you have been doing? And it's like, oh my gosh, like I would have been playing sports. I would have, you know, been enjoying my life instead of trying to control my life, which is what a kid should do. So I started to play with little Kayla. Like I would go and go on the swings at the park Mm. and I would, I started playing pickleball and I started doing these things that let little Kayla heal. And then I spent more time with my champion self and realized how different champion self Kayla was from little Kayla and how little Kayla had a place, but the place was not in the driver's seat, making Mm. the decisions Mm. of our adult life. She got to experience all the beauty of what happens as an adult, but she's not the one that gets to make the decisions. And uh, I talk about that in the book because one of my best friends is a psychotherapist and she uses this analogy. Her name is Dr. Jen. She uses this analogy where she goes, when she met me, she told me this. She was like, there's so many versions of little Kayla and you're little Kayla is driving your bus right now Mm. and little Kayla needs to take a seat on the bus Ah. and big Kayla needs to be driving yourself to the destination you want to go. And I was like, whoa, okay. And so then it's really easy for me to check in when I'm getting triggered in business or in life or I have to make a decision. I always want to make sure little Kayla is buckled up in the back seat over here because she'll bulldoze over everybody, right? So we got to go, hey, I love you. Take a seat back here. Champion Kayla's driving the bus. So we're going to make decisions that are a win-win for everybody involved. And, um, but we're also going to hold our boundaries, know our worth, and we're also going to be okay with being rejected, you know? So that's a little bit, there's so much there. I mean, it's, that's a lot of what the book is about because most people resist doing inner child work so much because they think it's so painful. Yeah. And I don't even share really any of my experiences because I share a lot of my clients' experiences on how they resist this type of work. But it doesn't always have to be painful. It can be really beautiful and it can also be fun. If you were a kid that had to grow up way too fast, Mm. doing inner child work can actually be fun because you'll learn how to have more fun in your life again. So Mm. it's been really healing for me. Wow. I have so much work to do in that space. And I love how you just described all that because it's a a lot of things that my therapist has been, she's one of the things she tells me every time is like, Sarah, who's driving the bus? (laughs) Oh, see, I think it's a thing they learn in like therapy school or something. (laughs) Must be. Yeah. And it's, it's a hard concept to wrap my head around, but I love hearing other examples that helped it like, oh, and then it finally clicks like, okay, yeah, that's what she's trying to explain. You know, mm-hmm. I always think there's, um, and I think that's why I love this coaching space so much is that there's, I think there's a, there's, everyone has their person who speaks the way that they um, hear things and teaches yes. the way that they learn things. And there's so many times where I, I can, I can picture all these times I've heard this, this thing. And then someone finally says it in a way and it like clicks for me. And I'm like, oh, that's what all of them meant. (laughs) But I just did. I didn't get it until it was said that way, you know, or I had the right like life experience like you're sharing here that helped it click. So thank you for that story. I'm so excited to read the book. 
course. Yeah, me too. I'm curious. So you talk a lot about kind of this season being about being a mom for you. And obviously it's uh, probably super meaningful given all of the inner child work that you've done, that you have this golden opportunity with your own children to shape their childhood. And it makes me wonder how, what kind of intentions have you been setting of how you want to show up as their mom during this season where that's kind of your highest priority? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think for me, I just always try to show my kids that I'm an imperfect person Mm -hmm. doing the best I can every single day. And so, um, I am willing to apologize to my kids. I take ownership of when I make mistakes and we are the type of home too, where, uh, like we're not afraid to argue in front of our kids either, because I think it's healthy that people that they see that you're not going to get along hundred percent of the time. Sure. My husband grew up in a home where fighting only happened behind closed doors. Okay. And so he didn't know how to fight. If that makes sense. Mm. Like he had no, he, he didn't understand that arguments were like healthy in a relationship because yeah. it means everybody's like, you know, to an extent they're standing up for what they believe in and yeah. we're just talking it through. And I grew up where if somebody had a problem, I don't care if there's a hundred people around, we're going to talk about that problem <laughs> right now. There were never any elephants in the room because we were talking about them. And Obviously, that's not healthy either. So we've had to create our own little mm. safe way yeah. to have disagreements in our house. And I think that's healthy because all of our kids are very <laughs> uh, opinionated. And so, but I feel like it's made them stronger as people. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I think the biggest thing I could say is what we're doing right now is we just have open communication in our house. We always want to be the the place that our kids feel safe to come and talk about anything to. And, you know, we're in the teenage years. And so, um, you know, like I want them to come to me. I don't want them to go to somebody else's parent. I want them to come to us and feel safe to talk about it, learn the critical thinking skills on, on how to think about things and then hope they can make an empowered decision from that place. I don't want to teach my kids what to think. I want to teach them how to think. Mm-hmm. And so the more that I get to talk with them and hear the way that they're thinking about things, the more I can help guide them. So that's, I mean, that's something, and you got to have the time. You have to make the time. Like you said, you went and picked up, mm-hmm. you want to be the one picking up. Yep. It's like we spend hours in the car with our kids every day yeah. and we're very mindful, like no phones, like we're talking or we're yeah. listening to music, but we're enjoying time together. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's just something we spend a lot of time together. (laughs) It's so good. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so intentional about like family adventure days on the weekends, because, you know, when we're hiking to a waterfall or we're playing in the snow, like there are no phones and we're just like intentionally together. And, um, and I love that. I love that time. It's, I was awesome. with a, um, an acquaintance once and they had to p- put a pool in their backyard and they said, well, we did this because we wanted a no phone zone. Like we wanted mm-hmm. a place where it just doesn't make sense <laughs> to have phones. And yeah, and that's kind of how I think about living in the Pacific Northwest with waterfalls in the ocean and mountains like at our doorstep. It's like always getting out and being in them because 
it just allows for more time for conversations. And that's that, that open door of communication, which you just talked about is so important to me with kids. Yeah, absolutely. So since this podcast is partially all about events, uh, my favorite thing to talk about, I know you've done events in the past. Is there a, is there an event for the book that might be coming up or a book tour or uh, anything exciting in that realm that we should know about? Yes. Yeah. We're doing a book tour before the book uh, is public. Uh, so we have our first date, February 22nd in New York City. Ooh, yay. We're going to be in New York City, Nashville, Denver, Austin, Dallas, and Scottsdale and Newport Beach where I live. So we're doing little mini events everywhere where I'm bringing a panel where we're talking about getting what you really want. And mostly everybody that's coming on as a client. So they're people that are used to my coaching and stuff. And we're going to be able to just share that with the world. And yeah, I'm excited. I love events. I love um, just being in person Mm -hmm. with people. Yes. And I think when you get into a room that is full of really great energy, it's just contagious. You leave and you feel fired up for life. Yes. So I, I love, I love that we're doing these. They're very small, not a lot of work that we have to put into it. Yeah. Um, I took a break from doing big, huge live events because uh, they really, I don't know. I just, I like to go and speak at events, but I don't like to be putting on events. It's not my thing. It's it. I, I find that it's either for people or not for people. <laughs> Right. <laughs> they they yeah. they they just know. They yeah, I've been in the business for over 20 years now and I could just I can spot when somebody like it, when it's their like their purpose in life <laughs> to be yeah. you know, curating the rooms and putting on their own events and other times where it's like no, I'll just like you do it and I'll come speak. <laughs> It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> I know and and everybody would always like my event people that they're like but you're so good at it. You're so you always have the best speakers. You always have this and I'm like yeah, but it doesn't make me happy. Like I should be happy while I'm experiencing this entire thing. And yes. all I want to do is like go to sleep. Yes. And so like, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> oh, I love that awareness uh, that um, like, do you, do you love, do you love going? No. Do you, but you love speaking at that? I love speaking. Yeah. But I'm not a person who enjoys events whatsoever. I am. Um, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't really know why. Um, maybe it is little Kayla or something like that, mm. but maybe I need to, I haven't like done that much work on it, but I, so background a little bit, I was an ER nurse mm. and then I got into the network marketing space. Mm. And so I don't know if you're familiar at all with the network marketing space, but events, I was in that's it how you for build. a year. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you build your business through events. Mm-hmm. So we had an event every night Mm. of the week, pretty much at one point when my team was like blowing up. And then even at my house, we had one every Tuesday night for years. Okay. We would have big events. I mean, I spoke on stage in front of 20,000 people on a regular basis. And I think that, um, I just got evented out basically. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for you to be doing a tour. That'll be yeah, fun. Yeah, I'm so excited. And I want to see everybody all over the country. And yeah. I want to see lots of people with the books in their hand. Yes. And it'll be fun. Aww. Yeah. Um, I hope that fills you up and doesn't drain you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it will because I'm also like, it's not like, it's not this huge production, right, you know? Right, right. 
So it's, we're yeah. just doing it at, like, I'm doing it. My PR team was like, well, we can rent a space. And I'm like, no, like, we're not doing the whole, like, <laughs> we're not doing we're the going whole thing. The yeah. We're going to the bookstores and they're like, well, some people, some bookstores can only handle 50 people. And I'm like, well, great. Then we'll have 50 people. Like I'm totally fine with that. I do not want all the extra. Mm, I love so. that you're honor so honoring of your boundaries around this because I do think events can get so, I don't want to say out of hand, but um, beyond the scope of what lights people up and brings them joy. Like if you really prefer the beach wedding with 10 people and then you go and throw like a ballroom event for 500, like it's not, you're going to be resentful. Right. And so I, and I, I think people see a certain version on TV of, you know, of what it should look like and think, well, then mine has to be like that. And I love that you're honoring of your, and aware of your boundaries on this is what would fill me up and bring me joy. And this is the container I'm willing to do this tour in. It's so great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we wrap up here, I want to ask uh, one, one more question about, uh, this, this is always so fun for me. I value lifelong learning like, so much. And I, I listened to your podcast recently on why you read books and I like, felt like, oh my gosh, we're like sisters. This is so good. I, <laughs> I feel all of the same feels. Um, I really subscribe to the school of thought though, that we have to design our own curriculum with intention. Otherwise the, the obsession with the reading can kind of get a little out of hand. And for someone like me with focus issues, it is a problem. But, uh, before we wrap up here, I would love to know three parts. What book are you reading right now? Why did you pick that book? And what's one thing you've learned so far from it? Yeah. So uh, I want to show, well, okay. So I read like three books a week, usually on a regular basis. Oh, so that. it's kind of hard to pick one because I just finished a fiction book called Oceans Apart by Karen Kingsbury. Okay. And I bawled. I read that in a day and I bawled my entire eyes out. Like when I went to bed that night, my eyes were puffy and Chase was like, why do you do this to yourself? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I can't read her books anymore because I'm just, it was so good. But at the same time, like, I'm like, I'm tired. Like I ran a freaking marathon sure. from reading this book. So I have, I'm like, okay, I need to like not buy Karen. She's a great author, but she is very much like, you're always going to cry when you read her book. Mm. So I was like, okay, we got to take a break from Karen. Even I love her. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then I'm reading Finding Your Place in God's Kingdom mm. by Miles Monroe. Okay. And what I love about that book is he's talking about how there are laws in a kingdom. So like right now, like if we live in the U.S., there are laws, right? Like the Constitution. Okay. There, there are things, but then there are unwritten laws too that like we create as like the norm, like, um, you know, it's not a law that you can't step out of a hundred foot building. Right. But like, we know don't step out of the hundred foot building yes. because you're going to fall and die. Mm -hmm. Like that's an unspoken law that was just spoken. Yep. But anyway, and he talks about how like in God's kingdom, there are also unspoken laws and you have to learn to work with those keys to really unlock the kingdom. And so anyways, it's really, really good. And it's stretching the boundaries of what I just believe. And it's, it's 
it's expanding me. And so I love books like that. And the way that he writes this book is really powerful because at the end of each chapter, he gives bullet points. Love books that do that because I'm a speed reader. So I'm just like, okay, yeah, this is the recap. Love that. And then also like an action item. And I love books. My book has that too, where there's an action item after each chapter. Because I love that. It's yes. like, you you know, if you're a lifelong learner, we can just get so good at learning yes. all the time. And so I love how it's like, okay, but I'm going to finish this chapter. And what's the action yeah. step I'm going to take what from to do. the stuff I just learned? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So anyways, I like that. I like that book a lot. And it's been really, that one actually I've been reading for like a month. Because it's one where I'm like, I have to read like a chapter a week or something like that. Because it's very... Like it's a lot of information coming at me. Yeah. So, so do you? I, I, we could sit here. We could have a book club, Sarah, because I'll just talk about books all day. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. It's funny because people will be like, "I wouldn't take you as that." I'm like, I want to be alone all the time and read my book. <laughs> you know, I thought I. I. It's sad, really, because you know, it kind of go back goes back to the whole thing, like. I, the product of 18 years of private Catholic schooling, and I don't go to a church now mm. as an adult because I, I think it like ruined me uh, for religion. And uh, same kind of thing with books. So I didn't think I was a reader until I met Audible and also personal development and entrepreneurship kind of all collided at the same time for me. And I didn't think I was a reader because every book I was fed in school, it wasn't for me. And right. like all of the textbooks like bored me. And now I've met entrepreneurship and personal development and I'm obsessed. And then I am audible and realize, wait, I, I, I have focus issues and it's, it's hard for me to sit and read a, f- a physical book because I'm like, there's so many stuff, things I want to do, but now I can listen and I can be learning and I'm just like become this voracious reader. And then about five months ago, I met the sauna <laughs> and oh. the dry sauna doesn't allow for a phone to come in. And so now I'm sitting there and the hyper productive version of me is like, well, what are you going to do with this 20 minutes times three that you're going to, you're going to sit in here, like do the 20 minutes in the cold, three minutes or 20 minutes in the hot, three minutes in the cold, repeat it three times. What am I going to do? And I brought in a paper book that I couldn't find on Audible. And I'm like, but I have to read this one. Like, I really want to read it. And I read it. And I was like, whoa, I I actually can read paper. (laughs) And uh, so now I'm like so excited because there's so many books that aren't on Audible that now are like fair game for me. And I don't know, that's probably too much to share, but I... (laughs) No, I love I love that because it just shows that you're you're one version you thought that that was the truth yes. and then you pushed your boundaries yes. with Audible and then you're pushing your boundaries yeah. even more right now yeah. with what your capacity yeah. is available for and um I mean if you haven't gotten into like fiction there are some really good fiction books that will also like my friend um Rich Fetke he wrote a book called The Wise Investor have you ever read it Mm-mm. So he wrote this book in a fiction form and the investment philosophy is in there and it is so good. Reading that book is actually what got me back into fiction a little bit more because I was like, gosh, when we read things as a story instead of like bullet Mm. points, 
with our personal development stuff, it really, it sticks with us a lot more. So are you talking, I'm going to challenge you. Is it kind of like the, like, like, like how the alchemist is written? I've never read that book. What? Really? Yeah. I've never read that book. Yeah. I'll have to get it. But yeah, no, it's, um, no, it's like a story of like legit, like, I mean, you would read it like about, I don't know, about a person. Okay. So what's the challenge? The challenge. Okay. I want to challenge you to read this series. Okay. Okay. It's by one of my favorite authors. Her name is Francine Rivers. Okay. And she writes a series. It's called The Mark of the Lion. And it's three books. And I really think that you should read them okay. because they're so good. It's fiction, but it's it's not because she's taking um, from, if you listen to my podcast on this, She's taking things that happened back in the um, Roman times, like the gladiator, and you're learning so much about like the church history mm. as well. And I think it'll help you see like, and maybe be open a little bit more to like a different, you know, level of faith in your life because, mm. oh my gosh, it's so good. It's so good. Challenge accepted. Okay. Thank you, Kayla. I'm excited for you to tell me. Okay, I will. I I will circle back and share what I come uh, come out of the uh, Mark of the Lion series. You might cry too. Okay. I'll prepare myself. Sorry. In the sauna, you're just like (laughs) these the women around me will be like, "What? What's going on over there?" (laughs) Kayla, it's been such a joy to have you on the show today. What? Tell us where can we get your book and where can Lynchpin Nation find you? Yeah. So if you just go to craftedoffer.com, everything about my book is over there and you can get some free goodies depending on, you know, if you buy one or 10 books, if you want to donate books, you'll get goodies too. So um, I just think that anybody who is listening in right now, you're listening into this because you want to grow as a person. And so this book is a tool for your growth to constantly, you know, just reach your potential more and more every day. And so I really would want you to pick it up. What do you really want? Awesome. Thank you so much, Kayla. Appreciate you being on here today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Green Room Central podcast. If you loved this episode, then please take a screenshot on your phone and post it to Instagram and be sure to tag at Sarah Faber and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear or who you'd like to hear from in the future. That'll help me know what to create for you. Also, if it's on your heart to host your first or next event this year and you need a jumpstart, let's connect for a strategy session. Just go to greenroomcentral.com. In a two-hour intensive private session, I can help you pivot, scale, or start your event vision from scratch. Together, we will build an actionable plan so that you feel confident and clear on your next steps. Go to greenroomcentral.com right now to sign up. I appreciate your commitment to leveling up and learning the mindset and strategy of live events. Keep going. Keep learning. If you want more, head over to greenroomcentral.com for show notes and all the links from today's episode. 